Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. It's been a good time in worship this morning, and uh, I am excited. We have a guest speaker today. That's me. I'm sharing the word this morning. I'm a teacher by gifting, and so this is very teachery, and I love it. <laughs> we are going to continue our walk through Ephesians, which is a series I started some time ago with the intent to finish at some time. Not really anything clear, but when I have the opportunity to speak, and it's right, I'll continue on to this. So we've been working our way through. This is actually part four of our walk through Ephesians, and we are going to be getting into the end of the second chapter today. It's an expository study of the book of Ephesians. I want to kind of keep things moving because when I get up here, I kind of tend to have a lot to cover, so I'm hoping to keep it, keep it compressed and move it through. So our agenda this morning, we'll do a review kind of of the book and what we've covered so far. We'll go a quick chapter two overview and some of the things we covered last time. And then in our section of Ephesians today, which is the second part of chapter two, we're going to cover three points, separation, reconciliation, and destination. Those will be verses 11 through 21. So the first review we have is when we did the, the overview of Ephesians is the key verse in Ephesians. The key verse in Ephesians is Ephesians 1, 3. And if you've been here before when we've done this, we've been saying this verse and we've been removing some of the words from the verse. So if you're looking up here, can you, can you help me fill in the blanks with this? And let's just say this out loud as we go. And I'll, I'll say it as we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Heavenly places. Heavenly being the key word in the verse. And that's because we see that so much of the first part of Ephesians is giving us God's heavenly perspective. God's heavenly perspective on man's salvation, on his plan for us, on what he has in our lives. Okay, that's the key verse. Next, we're going to do a quick review of the structure of Ephesians. So we've got an outline that we've seen before, and Ephesians is broken into two basic parts. Doctrine, which is our riches in Christ, which is chapters 1 through 3. And then duty, our responsibilities in Christ, which is chapters 4 through 6. I'm super excited to get to Ephesians 6 whenever we do. Armor of God is one of my favorites. But we are in the section our spiritual position in Christ, which is in chapter two. So that's a high-level overview. I want to bring up another review that we did, and I talked about making it real. And we've got a couple pictures up here on this next slide. This one up here in the corner was a treasure map that somebody did, I found online, called Identity Island. And this other thing is kind of one of the ways that I use to make it memorable in my own head. And I wanted to uh, kind of review this. Use a creative way to make the word real to yourself. And for me, I see ammunition 
as part of what God has given us to wage spiritual warfare and verses and promises are like those bullets that you load on your magazine and, you, and you, you use. Or this treasure map includes all of the promises of the identity of, in Christ. This is from chapter one. So has anybody had a chance to use something like this in some other context or even in Bible studies that they've been doing? Well, if not, I'd, I'd, I'd encourage you to do so. Some other application, it's a, a great way to make these things real and make them memorable for you. Okay, and then one of the things I do as a teacher is I also give a homework assignment. So I last spoke, and I don't remember if it was December or January. So everybody remember what their homework assignment was? Okay, well, I've got it up here. Our homework assignment was to read back through the first part of chapter two, which is verses one through 10, but then also re-listen to Tony's message Tony McMath spoke on November 19th and he spoke about unity and he went really deeply into Ephesians 2 and the section that we're covering, but he took a different angle on it and it's beautiful. I would highly recommend, take a note right now, look that up. We've got that on our website. We've got the podcast there. You can look it up and find it there and listen to that again because it's tremendous. Peace, unity, and how God brings unbelievers and believers together. Well worth the extra listen to. Okay, and then our next section of review, we're gonna kind of go back over quickly what we covered the last time I spoke. It's never last week because it's always sometime between in December, January. I didn't, I was gonna look up when I spoke, but I, I didn't. So we covered the primary positions that are mentioned in this section. And we saw First of all, that we're dead in our trespasses. Primary position, six feet under. Then we saw resurrected, raised up, and seated with Christ through all of the bad things and the, the position that mankind was in without God and in sin up to, through the sanctification of Christ, up to seated in heavenly places. This is God's perspective of mankind. You were way over here, and now you're here. And then the next thing that we saw, the next part of chapter two, was our powerful portion and we saw that the gift that God gives is grace. And that gift of grace that he gives us allows us to access faith and through faith enter into salvation. And the neat thing about this too is that we also saw that God calls us his workmanship. We are his workmanship, created for good works in Christ. And what we saw was before when man in the garden was toiling outside after, after the expulsion from the garden, toiling in the soil and raising thorns and, and struggling. Now we're with God, working with him, part of his workmanship, but also building the kingdom, building his kingdom. So we're gonna see some echoes of that in this next section of chapter two, that it's kind of, Kind of cool because as Paul is speaking these things, a lot of times he, he will say one thing and then kind of revisit it in another manner and in often comparison and contrast or amplify or expound upon his previous points. So chapter two's overview. We talked last week about being raised and seated on the, th last week, last time as you were, last time on as seated and raised on the throne. And then the theme for this week is reconciled and set into the temple. Ephesians 2, verse 11 and 21. If you've got a Bible on your phone or you've got a paper, 
and leather Bible. However, I invite you to open up to Ephesians chapter two, verse 11 right now. We want to go ahead and read this. I'll go ahead and read all the way through this. We've got a few slides with the verses up there, but keep this open on your phone, or your Bible. Therefore, remember that you, the Gentiles, this is verse 11, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. And through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Ah, it's good. There's so much rich stuff in here. So let's dig in and kind of break it out. We're going to break it out kind of verse by verse as we go. But let's start with the problem. The first thing that he says in this section is there's a problem. The problem is separation. Now, the background on the separation is that after man sinned, he was separated from God. If you kind of go with this cloudburst as God's presence, man's sin causes him to be expelled from the garden and no longer in God's presence. The next thing we see is that he no longer has close contact with the creator. If you saw in the beginning of Genesis, they walked with God in the evening, in the cool of the evening. God would walk in the garden and talk to them face to face. Now they're out of the garden. It's hard to talk to God, it's hard to be, and, and man has been pushed away. And there's kind of this exclusion. You're separated and excluded. You are excluded from the promise. So then the next thing we see as we move forward in Genesis is you see this further codification, if you will, of the separation through the Abrahamic covenant. Now, the Abrahamic covenant was designed for God to build a holy people, a holy nation, and build a covenant relationship with them and allow them to have contact with God. But there's still those who are not under the Abrahamic covenant, those who are not Hebrew or Jewish were excluded. They're still off to the side and out of contact. The Abrahamic covenant was established and the seal 
of circumcision was a distinctive mark in the flesh of all the believers. That's one of the things that Paul is pointing out, saying, hey, circumcision in the flesh, and that's tied directly to the Abrahamic covenant, which separated it. So then this, we see the next part, that this creates a solid division and barrier between God's people and those who are not his people, the Gentiles. And so in verse 11, we see that the Gentile, he calls them the Gentiles or the uncircumcision, those of you that have been, that are uncircumcised. And we also see in verse 12, the words separated, excluded, strangers, and with no hope. That's the fate of mankind without a covenant relationship with God in this sense. There's a barrier between them and they are just out. You are no longer, you are separated. And one other note as it continues on, the law of Moses is brought in and it codifies it even more. There's more regulations. There's more things built on. And so you've got this barrier that separates and the law. And Paul also brings up, this is a theme throughout his epistles, that there were Jewish believers that believe in Christ that were telling everybody else, hey, you have to obey the law. You have to uphold to this. If you're not circumcised, you have to get circumcised. You have to follow all the laws of Moses. But Paul's addressing this, and you can look in Galatians for further information along those lines. So the next thing we see is in verse 13, that we are brought near, that what happens is Christ's work on the cross. The cross is coming in to start to bridge the gap, to start to be the thing that will be the solution. The solution to the problem of separation is reconciliation through Christ's work on the cross. Verse 13 says, you have been brought near. You are no longer far away. So man has been able to move closer through the cross of Christ. And the verse says particularly, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And it's significant here, too, that we see when we're talking about the blood of Christ, all of a sudden we're starting to see indications of the new covenant. We're starting to see that the blood of Christ is the blood of the new covenant. And so the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, they're all Paul Springer's Paso and saying new covenant here is is where it's at. And it's what's, what's taking us to that reconciliation. The next verse is verse 14, and it's basically talking about how the wall is broken down, the barrier is broken down. So the cross comes in here and demolishes the barrier. For verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. That wall is now gone. The cross of Christ is in its place. That's an awesome thing and a great promise. And then in verse 15, he goes on to say that Christ's flesh fulfilled the law. The same word that was used in flesh in the previous verses saying circumcised in the flesh, circumcision made by, in the flesh by human hands. This is the same word that says Christ's flesh fulfilled the law. Verse 15 says this exactly. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law and commandments contained in the ordinances. So no longer is the law a problem anymore because Christ's work on the cross took care of the law, took care of the barrier, took care of the law, took care of all of that. And the next part of the verse is key too. So that in himself... 
he might make two into one new man, establishing peace. So the two become one. God is no longer seeing mankind as Jews or Gentiles, believers or unbelievers. He's seeing one redeemed mankind, all believers. There's no distinction anymore. Reconciled. That separation is now done. They're brought back together. That is truly amazing. One universal body of believers without exclusivity, the church, the church. All right, moving on to verse 16. We see reconciled to God through the cross. So the two become one, God sees them, and now Paul is saying that through the cross, they can actually get back into God's presence. We're seeing also echoes of salvation through faith through the gift of grace that we saw at the end of the first part of chapter two. We saw that kind of picture of the gate and moving through there with the gift. This is the same thing. God's saying now through the cross, you're getting into God's presence. Verse 16 says, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. So that part of being far off, we are now brought into his presence all the way there. And verse 17, peace was preached to both groups. Verse 17 says, the same message of peace was extended to each group. And again, check out Tony's message for a beautiful explanation on this. And he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. That peace is that message of there's a way through. There's a way to reconcile. There's a way to be brought back into God's presence. There's a way to unity. That's what that message of peace is, amen? And then verse 18, this is cool too. He continues the theme and says, now we have access through one spirit. And this, of course, refers to the Holy Spirit, which is bestowed upon every believer at the time of salvation. The Holy Spirit is the seal of the new covenant, the Holy Spirit is tied directly into the new covenant and we are all partakers of that spirit and brings us into access with God. And it's, the nice thing is that this work that God is doing, that he's called us to partner with him is a spiritual work. It doesn't rely on the weaknesses of my real body, my physical body, my physical surroundings, people I'm around. It, it relies on that spiritual work. God has tied us spiritually together as a spiritual family. God is building us as a spiritual church to be his implement in the world. And let me ask you this. Did you pick up on all of the ones that we've seen so far in these verses? We had one man, one body, one spirit. I think there's an underlying theme of unity in this. Amen? Amen. All right. And the last verse we're going to talk through is verse 19. And verse 19 says, Now you are no longer strangers. You are no longer aliens. No longer out there. Now you are citizens and saints and members of God's household. And this is all through Christ's reconciling work. That whole condition of being separated and alone from God, 
God has brought it back and reconciled it. And now through him, we are all members of one body, members of one family, and members of God's household. And in my head, I will say that the question popped in my head. So if we're members of his household, are we servants or are we children? There is, I will go with children, sons and daughters, because he's called us to be sons, right? Sonship. And Jesus is the firstborn we are, we are following on instead. But yes, we serve the Lord, but, but there's, a, there's a status difference. And Paul goes into that in other passages, not in Ephesians, but that's an important thing. And to know that God calls us his kids, that he's our heavenly father. He's not just some big boss we have to obey because that's the way things are. We are his kids. So I love that work of reconciliation. So this next section... The last section of the chapter we're going to cover is our destination and its consolidation into God's dwelling. Now, I have a picture up here on the slide that's an artist's portrayal of the Temple of Artemis. Does anybody remember why the Temple of Artemis might be pertinent to our study? Because it was in the city. Yeah, and the city's name is Ephesus. Got it. Yes, exactly. Ephesus, right? So in the very first thing that I started, we talked a lot about the city of Ephesus, etc. Well, they had this huge temple to the goddess Artemis or Diana. And it was pretty much the most visible thing in the city. If you live there, you couldn't get this out of your head because just like we can see Mount Rainier from all over the area we live, this is like that big, like, Oh, yeah, you're talking about a temple. So in this next section, he uses an illustration of a temple to capture their minds and, and break it down for them. And I want to, with this example of the temple, I want to quickly reflect a little bit on some of the significance that verse 14 takes on. And in verse 14, it said, he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. And let me spin a little bit more on the temple. The existing temple in Israel at that time was Herod's temple. And Herod's temple had two significant divisions. The first was directly in the context that Paul is talking about, is the court of the Gentiles. Herod's temple had a whole section called the court of the Gentiles. And you can see that in Acts as you read, Paul goes there and people get upset because they thought he brought somebody who was, wasn't a Jew into the temple, whatever. But they had a court that was specifically set aside for non-Jews. They could go there, they could be close to the temple, they couldn't enter the temple, but it was close. And that was a barrier and distinction in that temple. And then the next thing, too, I want to point out in the temple is there was a curtain set up in the interior of the temple. The last third of the temple was called the most holy place. And that was where the glory of God was supposed to dwell. And that was the final place between where only one priest could go in through past that last curtain into the most holy place once a year to put blood on the altar for atonement for all of the nation. And what do we see that happens when Jesus 
dies. In Matthew 27, verse 51, it said, tombs were opened, the dead were raised, and the curtain in the temple was torn asunder from top to bottom. This curtain, it's not just a flimsy piece of linen. It's 40 feet tall, and it's probably an inch or two thick in terms of the weaving. And it was just torn asunder. And God, it's this direct reflection to what Paul's saying here. He broke down the barrier. No longer is there something that says, you're not good enough, you can't come into God's presence. There's no longer something that says, you're unclean, you can't be part of this. It's what God has for all people, reconciliation to be brought back into his presence. Okay, so that's a quick side trip. Let's dig through the last few verses of chapter two. Verse 20, we see that this new temple that God is building is built on a foundation. It's built on a foundation of the apostles, which are the New Testament, the prophets, which is the Old Testament, and Jesus Christ as a, as a cornerstone. And the good thing to remember when you're thinking about that is if you read through the Old Testament, there's a lot of stuff in like, well, how much of the Old Testament still applies to what we're supposed to do today? And that was part of the problem that the believers were having in Ephesus and Galatians and a lot of the Jewish believers were like, no, you gotta follow. If you eat pork, you're gonna go to hell. And, and if you don't get circumcised, you're not gonna be one of God's children. The chief cornerstone is Christ. And we have to filter everything through Christ. That cornerstone is what aligns the rest of the building. It's how you measure square. It's from that point to there. If that's square, because on the cornerstone, that's how it is. So that's what Paul is saying about that. So verse 20 says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And verse 21 in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. It plainly states God's people are being fitted together. So that distinction with Jews and Gentiles, no, they're being built up, each of us, where we're supposed to be, being fitted together, being connected as part of one building. And I love verse 22. Verse 22 gets to me. In whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. It's like, this is the punchline. Why was all of that? Why from the beginning, when man was in the garden, separation, he went through all this stuff, the reconciliation, to be, with, to be with God, seated with Christ in heavenly places, why? Dwelling with God. God's whole purpose in the story of mankind has been to call a people to himself to bring people to be together with his creation. That's what it's all about. From the Garden of Eden, to Solomon's temple, to the church, to our eternity in heaven, in the heavenly Jerusalem, that story is about God wanting to be with us. Right. What? I love being in God's presence, yay, I do. But it's not only that, he wants me to be in his presence. He wants to be with us. And that's why Christ made that sacrifice. That's why Christ brought us through. Christ 
reconciled us. Okay, as a teacher, I'm gonna give you some homework for our homework for next time. Read back through this section of Ephesians 11 through 22. Note all of the uses of the word one. Examine all the uses of the word peace and then reflect on how do those ideas interact with each other. What's God saying to us through that? And then finally, reflections on this chapter. Reflections on separation, reconciliation, destination. Such a beautiful portrayal of God's desire to dwell with mankind. He's bringing us from death to life, from the grave to the right hand of the Father, separation to reconciliation, from exclusion to inclusion. And we can see these applied in our different levels in our spiritual life, just salvation as a whole, but also in our personal life, working with God on a daily basis to build his kingdom, to draw others close to him, becoming more like him, all part of being with him. And then relationally, just with, within each other, reconciling. If you've got something that's a problem or a barrier that's separating you from those close to you, God's heart is to see reconciliation. God's heart is to bring us together, to walk in unity with our brothers and sisters and to become purveyors of peace. I invite you to stand as we close with this last worship song. I'll reiterate, we're doing open, unstructured communion and we have the elements at the table in the back. If you didn't get a chance to, during the worship service, I invite you to just on your own, go back there, take the elements. And as we sing, just take a moment to take the, the bread and the, the juice that are emblematic in so many ways of his reconciliation. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 